Welcome to another Inward Authority episode. Today we are going to be talking about how spiritual growth is a process. It is a process where we are to be very active. What we do and how we think are crucial daily elements toward our spiritual condition. God's goodness and grace has glory, power, beauty, peace, and love. It is right, good, fulfilling, and productive. We can be in it. We can partake with it. We can abide in it. To do so is a process. It is a process of letting go of ungodly thoughts, character, habits, customs, traditions, and anything ungodly while abiding God's spiritual character. This process involves cooperation. It involves a shifting, changing, and adjusting of ourselves. To abide in Jesus as Jesus abided in God will require ourselves to be more of how the Bible describes God to be. To love God and who God is requires us to think a lot about God's ways. Here are some words used in the New King James Version describing spiritual development and how it is a process. We can ask ourselves how we relate to these words. Grow, mature, become, increase. Thinking about these words, how have we grown, matured, become, or increased with God and God's ways? Here's some more. Harden, made dull, confuse. Have we hardened ourselves, felt dullness, or become confused? And some more. Convince, train, learn, understand, know. Have we become convinced, trained, learned, understood, or known God's grace, righteousness, and goodness? And how about corrupt, cleanse, purify? Have we experienced corruption, being cleansed or purified? Can we explain this process to others? Our choices, thoughts, attitudes, and actions affect our development. God does not control our choices. We have free will. We have a responsibility for our choices. If our choices affect our character and spiritual condition, then our choices play an important role in who we are inwardly becoming. Are we giving God's Spirit a chance to help us? Are we listening to it? Are we thinking about it? Are we engaging with it? Are we giving our hearts and minds to obey and be with God? Did you know that we can grow dull? I've grown dull at different times in my life. It's when I lose sense of God's grace and goodness. I lose touch with love and peace. I seek after other things. Matthew 13:15. For the hearts of this people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing. Their eyes they have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn, so that I should heal them. Turning is a choice. Turning to God is a choice. We need to choose to stop our current way of doing things with our hearts and minds and turn our hearts and minds to be with God. Growing is a process, whether we are growing good or evil. In the New King James Version, Romans 12.9 is entitled, Behave Like a Christian. 
And it says, let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. If we turn our hearts and minds to be with God, our minds will abhor what is evil and cling to God's good. We need to understand more what that is. We will need an increased understanding about the Bible's description of evil and good. We will need to examine and learn about God's good. This is a process of learning through action. Matthew 24:12. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. This growing cold, it's a process. Read Psalm 119 for an example of dedication to God. As you read it, examine your own thoughts for being patient and watching out for judgment. This psalm involves repetition, and repetition is very important. Some of us need simple ideas repeated many times before we can get the point. It's a process. We are to abhor evil, which is lying, pride, vanity, greed, the love of money, etc. And we are to love mercy, forgiveness, peace, compassion, truth, and justice with sincerity and humility. These are the instructions, and I believe as we improve with it, we can learn to sense the spiritual good in it. We are to put away falsehood and fake presentations. We are to be godly-focused people. We are to abhor what is spiritually evil thoughts, words, attitudes, and actions while clinging to godly ones. Some of us grow toward destruction through evil ways of thinking, speaking, and acting. Others grow in saving grace. But most of us just settle in an area somewhere in between destruction and saving grace. We can have spurts of clinging to good and spurts of participating in evil. We can get a sense of what is good enough and what is too much evil. The stuck in the middle between destruction and amazing grace can in itself grow dullness when practiced long enough. The key word here is stuck. Feeling stuck or perceiving ourselves as stuck is not good. It's not even true. The fact of the matter is that we get stuck by our own beliefs. We get convinced we are stuck. We want to hold on to some sin while desiring God's good. We are stuck clinging to some evil which prevents us from obtaining more of God's good. Many of us read the Bible, but few of us will take it to heart as an instruction manual. To read it as an instruction manual would involve a feeling of conviction to change. As we read instructions to forgive and have mercy, our sinful minds would bring thoughts of yeah buts. In addiction, this is popular. People will say, yeah, but this, yeah, but that. So they refer to it as yeah, buts. We will want to do the instructions and yet not want to lose other things. This caught in the middle, we need to let go of our clinging to the evil, to the sin, to the things that are not about God. We can struggle to see the instructions and how they can be good because they don't fit with our current understanding. We can choose to rely upon our current understanding instead of God's instructions. The truth is, we can't understand God's instructions by merely thinking. We need to act upon the instructions and then evaluate spiritual thoughts and feelings. We need to learn through doing them. 
we can't understand before we do it. This convincing ourselves to act upon the instructions is also a process. It only proceeds as far as we walk in them. Being stuck over time can be very dangerous. People can isolate, feel empty, get seriously depressed, resentful, seek feeling good through addictions, even attempt suicide. This is a very serious problem. I've met dozens of people who die alone this way. Our souls need spiritual food. The table is ready. The food is God's character. And our eating it involves us tasting and sensing and thinking and walking in it. We need sincere connection with one another for spiritual life. We need trusting and loving relationships. This takes asking for help and giving it. It requires sharing sincere things about ourselves with others. Fear and pride are our enemies. I created a guide called Five Stages of Spiritual Development to help others who may get stuck in complacency. These stages are created to validate, inform, guide, encourage, and inspire hope. It can guide us how to move out from being stuck. If you are newer and still getting going with your spiritual journey, this can help you too. As all spiritual development requires an open mind, we need to set our minds to grow, change, and abide more with God. Let's first look at the Bible for more understanding how spiritual development is a process. The Bible is full of descriptions about growth, flourishing, living, withering, falling away, corruption, and dying. It's about experiencing joy through blessings and misery, and misery through rebellion. Jesus in John 15 instructs us to abide in God. The stories in the Bible highlight that faith is a process of development. The stories demonstrate faith with action. We are to become clay for the potter, to be shaped more in God's ways. We have instructions for our thoughts, attitudes, words, and actions. James 2.17 Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. We will need to journey into the instructions to experience the goodness God continues to offer. This is a process. Spiritual development toward death or life is happening right now through our choices. We are either moving towards life or towards death. James 1.14-15 describes a process toward death. James writes, But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then, when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. This is a process. Let's break down this process in James 1.14-15 into stages. These stages are incomplete and imperfect examples. James describes a process toward death. I believe it is a spiritual, emotional, and psychological death that could also result in physical death. I believe we all can suffer this death if we follow the described process. Remember, God gives us a choice. We always have a choice. We choose what actions to do each minute of every, of every day. This process is a choice. We have free will to live by God's ways or suffer through other ways. 
we can also choose not to decide. We can ignore the choice and just go on automatic pilot or whatever we feel like doing at the moment. Stage one is temptation and desire. When I am tempted, my mind is prompted to think about something desirable. Like many people, I like things that produce pleasure. I desire to feel good. Even thinking about it can produce a powerful inward sensation. Who wouldn't want to feel good? We all enjoy feeling good. We can get ourselves more and more excited about something through mere anticipation of a pleasurable experience. We have a choice at what we do next. If I am being responsible with my thinking, I can choose to redirect my thinking towards something more godly, something good for others instead of just good for me. But this requires self-discipline to deny myself. It requires self-awareness. I may be in the midst of a flood of dopamine. It's like getting ready to take a bite out of a delicious dessert and then choosing to stop and give it to someone else. The fact is we have this powerful chemical reaction within us around food, sex, drugs, money, etc. Messages and prompts can produce a physical reaction within us. A mere thought about getting something pleasurable can produce a physical, emotional, and psychological effect. Learn about Pavlov's experiment. This triggered effect can be powerful, and it's best to respond quickly in redirecting our inward thoughts. Prayer for help can be a good idea. The quicker we redirect ourselves, the easier it will be to reduce the effects of desire and temptation. I've learned to redirect quickly my thoughts of using drugs, tobacco, etc. As soon as I get a prompt, the chemical reaction within me can begin and begin to feel good. It can hook me. So it's best for me to just not allow myself to go there. Spending time thinking about it can increase the power of it. Condoning this thinking behavior about the event is like feeding a lion and giving it strength. I'm not to get angry about it, but instead surrender myself quickly to God and give up the fight. I am to position myself in God's protective embrace. There's another description about this. It's page 84 and 85 in the book Alcoholics Anonymous. I really encourage you to read that through. I can pray to God for help. I can pray for guidance and strength. I must be willing to let go of my wants, urges, and desires. I can call someone, go to a meeting, or see how I might be able to do some good for someone else. Humbling myself is crucial. Then there is the being drawn away by desire. For me, this means I am continuing to think about that which I desire and I am experiencing a physical chemical reaction like Pavlov's dog salivating. My mind and body are both actually engaging with the sin and experiencing a physical and mental and emotional reaction. This powerful reaction can overcome my other desires to do good. This can bring me to stage two. When desire has conceived, maybe when my mind becomes convinced to act upon the sin. Once my mind decides to do whatever it is I desire, it subsequently gives up fighting the desire and seeks to fulfill the desire. Stage two is where I choose to take action upon the desire. 
I give in to the desire and begin taking steps to act upon it. That which I have been anticipating to do, I now do. Stage three is active engagement. At this point, I am actively doing that which I have desired to do. I am physically involved with it. My body is fully alive in it. Birth to sin has happened. It happened and is going to happen again and again. It is repeated and becoming a part of who I am. It is growing in my thoughts and actions. It is increasingly becoming part of my identity. I am living to do it. I seek it out, prioritize it, look forward to it, and perhaps even long to do it more and more. Stage four is the growing of the sin. It takes time for anything to grow. The more we grow something, the stronger it becomes. Growing sin or grace involves our active, repeated participation with it. Growth in sin can involve the practice of all three stages over time. As it is practiced, it grows inwardly. This obsession can slowly take over a person's life. It can grow into an addiction. It can grow into a person's top priority in life without the person even knowing it. This transformation is often a slow and gradual process. The desire for it can transform into a believed necessity. People can then choose the sin over family, God, health, money, or sanity. It can become our God. When sin is full grown, we can reach stage five, the bringing forth death. Death can often involve an inward miserable experience. Broken relationships, hurt loved ones, destroyed careers, legal issues, and what the book Alcoholics Anonymous calls pitiful and incomprehensible demoralization on page 30. Sin being full grown means we were more focused upon filling our desires with this sin than taking care of our personal needs. We may have neglected family, health, work, school, or even the law. Because of this neglect, we suffered consequences. Our sanity may be in question. Self-condemnation for our choices can bring about learned helplessness. We can feel powerless to change and even give up hope. This death is real and very serious. Fortunately, there is hope. We can surrender. We can deny our thoughts that seek to bring us to sin. We can imperfectly grow more each day toward what is perfect, the perfect will of God. The solution is to look long and thorough at our choices for corrections to be made. We can examine the results we have from such choices to bring into our minds the negative consequences to help motivate us from going there. We can evaluate ourselves and our own behavior in our relationships. We can seek God's love, mercy, compassion, truth, forgiveness, peace, etc. We can choose to be less self-seeking and more humbly and sincerely growing in God's goodness. If we are honest and thorough with this evaluation, most of us can discover that there is a direct link to growth in God's goodness and our emotional and mental condition. Our spiritual growth can have ups and downs. We can have periods of digression toward destruction with a realization we need to change and make corrections. We can also discover a happy medium of going back and forth with our growth 
seemingly getting stuck in an endless cycle. Breaking the cycle will require a deeper commitment to abide more in God. This often means surrendering more of ourselves. Understanding the process toward destruction can be more easily understood than the process toward construction or spiritual life. Just as there is a clear and distinct path toward destruction or death, there is a clear and distinct path toward spiritual improvement or life. We can grow to feel alive with God. There is a path, there is a process of growth. I imagine if James wrote a process toward life, it might go something like this. But few become ready. When they are ready, they seek God's instructions and learn them with the readiness to do them. Once committed to take action upon the instructions, they immediately begin to live by them in thoughts and deeds. When the instructions are practiced in sincerity and truth, they come to their senses. Through continued obedience with God's instructions, training develops and grows spiritual good fruit. They become a strong branch capable of bearing an abundance of good fruit feeding others. They continue and become filled with grace, love, peace, and joy. Just as James 1.14-15 has stages toward death, so does the path toward life. At any point along our journey, we can change our mind and seek other things. We can turn from death, or we can turn from life. We can even go back and forth, seemingly going nowhere. Let's look closer at some of these stages to life with love and peace. The first one is being ready. Ready to experience God's good and to be changed by it. 2 Corinthians 8.11 but now you also must complete the doing of it, that as there was a readiness to desire it, so there also may be a completion out of what you have. In order to do anything well, we must be ready to do it. Our hearts and minds will need to be ready and attentive to act. Our body will need to be ready. If we are going to do a foot race, we will need to be ready. We will need to be positioning our whole body toward the race. Our focus will need high attention to have our legs and feet ready to go as soon as our attentive ears sense the sound of the gun. To do God's instructions at our best, we will need to be ready, like we are in a race for God's grace. Anything that will hinder our performance will need to be dealt with. Distractions will need to be set aside or left behind. For the purpose of our doing well, we will need to give our all. See Acts 20:24, 20, 1 Corinthians 9:24, 2 Timothy 4:7, Hebrews 12:1. We must learn to walk before we learn to run. We must learn to stand before we learn to walk. We must learn to crawl before we learn to stand and on and on. There is a lot of learning in the most basic things that we do. This too with God's love. God's love is not about resentment, doubt, anxiety, worry, fear, self-seeking, self-condemnation. That is not God's love and if we're doing that we need to make some changes and grow more towards the peace and love that God is. It's not about self-seeking, vanity, lust, greed, or gluttony. We will need to learn to discern as we walk more and more with God's love and sincere truth. 
like a child learning to walk and falling. We too will make mistakes. Luke 1.6 And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. Romans 8.1 There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. The Bible provides spiritual instructions on what to do and what not to do. Once we are ready, we can easily learn one simple way to improve in God's character. We can forgive and restore wrongs. We can serve each other with more compassion. We can improve with our humility. We can be more sincere. We can be more honest. We can direct our thoughts away from grudges and more toward forgiveness, mercy, and peace. We can think each day how to do these better. We can, if we are ready. We can choose to stop distracting thoughts from abiding more in God. We can say no to hindering thoughts. We can imperfectly progress little by little toward perfection. Like a child learning to walk, ride a bike, or millions of other things a child learns, it starts with sloppy performance and mistakes. We can be confused and lost as we seek to progress with compassion, patience, truth, peace, etc. We can feel uncertain, lost, or frustrated. Such feelings are part of the learning. Imagine a child who would give up trying to walk because of failure or frustration. Just as a child cries and hurts through learning, we too will hurt and suffer through the struggle of godly improvement. We must shake off the thoughts toward giving up or quitting. When I improve, it involves confusion, struggle, doubt, worry, fear, and frustration. I have experienced these things in quitting smoking, quitting drinking, drugs, passive aggressiveness, growing truth, increasing sincerity, and many more things. Romans 5.2 Through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulation, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. If I'm not struggling, I'm not growing. Tribulation can produce good character. Do I avoid struggle and tribulation? Do I view struggle as bad? The instructions inform us to act upon them, James 1.22 But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Be doers of the word, he says. This is stage three. Over and over again, the Bible provides instructions for our hearts and minds on how to think, feel, and behave. We need to convince ourselves to be formed with godly good behavior and righteousness. We need to read and learn the instructions with a readiness to act upon them today. We must continue to face ourselves, our inward condition, who we have become and where we are in our spiritual growth. Then we must keep our attention and diligence to growing our inward livelihood in God's goodness. Let's look at some biblical instructions about being honest. Let's be ready to accept these instructions and live by them today, if we're ready. Colossians 3.9 Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds. Job 17.5 He who speaks flattery to his friends, even the eyes of his children will fail. 
2 Thessalonians 2.3 Let no one deceive you by any means. Proverbs 38 Remove falsehood and lies far from me. Psalm 15.2 He who walks uprightly and works righteousness and speaks the truth in his heart. Proverbs 8.7 For my mouth will speak truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. John 8.44 You are of your father the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. Some of us might think, how can I be honest? How can I socialize without flattery? What would people think if I spoke the truth? What would become of my job? Such questions will most likely develop. We will need to choose to be ready to live by God's instructions despite our fears or our own ideas, our own understanding. Living with God is indeed a very different life. It is a better life. And just as a child learns to walk through falling, we too, through perseverance, can learn how to be more honest, sincere, and right with God's ways. We can do it. Please listen to my podcast series, Experiencing God's Character. I did one on my experience with truth. Stage four is continuing to practice the instructions. I was told to be rigorously honest. I remember at 21 years of age and newly sober, another alcoholic was saying hello and asked how I was doing. I was struggling, confused, and angry. So what was I going to say? Well, I not only told him the truth that I was angry, I honestly and sincerely said it with an angry tone. He said, thank you for being honest. He appreciated me being real. I don't believe perfection is the goal, but I do believe the level of our spiritual development will be contingent upon the level of our sincere honesty about ourselves. To improve our honesty and truthful thinking requires learning about discernment and a lot of self-evaluation. This is a lot of thinking, a lot of time thinking, a lot of discussions. It requires sorting out the truth from the false, spiritual truth, God's truth. We will need to take captive our inward deceit and misleading information. Improved self-awareness through self-discovery must continue. The more I practice truth using the methods described in the spiritual growth formula, the more I understand spiritual truth. As we continue to practice truth like a child continuing to learn, we can adjust how we express it. We can learn new vocabulary. We can redirect questions or rephrase them. We can choose when to answer and when not to. We can relearn how to be social more with God's righteousness. God's character traits of love, peace, compassion, mercy, forgiveness, truth, and justice are to be done collectively, working together. Speaking the truth without love can miss the mark. If I am angry, I will need to own my anger and do some spiritual work with my anger. The goal is love and peace. Practicing love with deceit is also missing the mark. God's love is not deceitful. 
We are not to be fake with false presentations. We are to practice being real, and learning how to live that way can require perseverance and tribulation. It can take a lot of thought, practice, and time to grow our understanding in this new spiritual journey. It took a lot for me to progress away from my passive aggressiveness, defensiveness, anger, and dishonesty. I'm still being challenged by my corrupted memories and past learnings. I'm still tempted, but I can choose not to pursue such temptation. I can pray for help and set my thoughts toward understanding what God would like me to do. As I mentioned previously, confusion is part of the struggle and learning. It involves a concentrated effort to grow our understanding. There is a continuous application of figuring things out. Once we are full grown and strong with God's spiritual good teachings, we will be trained by them. We become demonstrators of God's sincerity, love, peace, and truth. Our training will help us teach and encourage others to help them experience grace through our good fruit. 1 Peter 4.10 As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. We are to be stewards of God's grace. At this stage, we have grown and developed more in abiding with God. This is stage five. We have improved with love, peace, mercy, compassion, truth, justice, and forgiveness. We have learned patience, humility, and sincerity. We are ready to bring such an attitude with a clean conscience and pure heart to others. We imperfectly bring the grace we have received into our relationships where others can witness it. We become teachers, ambassadors, stewards, and administrators of this spiritual good. We have a choice of what we will pursue, whether it is God's grace and to live by it or sin. We can choose to think about practicing peace or feeding anxiety. We can choose to harbor grudges or forgive. We can decide to be fake or to be real. We will exercise our choices every day. We can choose not to think about it. One central point in the Bible is growth. We are to be growing in God's righteousness and goodness. Growth means we improve into something more and more. We become better, bigger, or stronger in what we grow. We ought to evaluate ourselves like any good coach or leader to see just how well we are growing in our abiding with God. We each are the governor or conductor of our own inward development. No one else can make decisions for us. No one else can align our thoughts and beliefs with our hearts to be with God. No group, book, sermon, or structure can force our spiritual development. It is ultimately up to each of us individually. We first must accept this responsibility and the call to action before we can grow. We will each day need to be ready for God. Let's close with 2 Corinthians 8-7. But as you abound in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all diligence, and in your love for us, see that you abound in this grace also. Mm-hmm.